Why has the death rate from childbirth gone up so high? We talk about this in today's episode. Our special guest, Yenny James, shares what fires her up about the childbirth process. From being in the Navy to becoming a doula, and now training men and women to be a doula. And what the heck is a doula? So stay tuned to hear her inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. And to hear more inspiring podcasts, check out the Lima Charlie Network at limacharlienetwork.com, where we are a group of thought leaders and podcasters with the goals of improving ourselves, inspiring and educating others, and bringing valuable conversations to both military and civilian audiences. We look forward to delivering you valuable information, loud and clear. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Joe Bogdan from the Llama Leadership Team and co-host of the Llama Lounge Podcast. And I wanted to share with you this amazing opportunity to become a published author and become a fire starter. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Well, it did to me. And joining the Firestarters Book Project was an amazingly easy and fun way to get my feet wet in the published author space. Shay and Christine made it so easy to navigate through the publishing realm and gave me the blessed opportunity to share my story with the world, and they would love to do the same for you. They are seeking aspiring authors like you to collaborate with them, and the best part is that they are going to do all of the hard work for you. All you have to do is commit to the process. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So join the team by visiting firestartersbookproject.com and tell them Joe sent you. It will change your life for the better, I promise. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming turmoil into treasure. So check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And while you're there, I invite you to connect with me on all social media links like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can message me on any of those platforms. And today, our guest is the amazing and beautiful Yenny James. Welcome to the show, Yenny. Thank you so much, Shay. Thank you for having me. And I am so excited to have you because we just met just in the last few weeks on LinkedIn. I know. It's such a great platform to have too. I mean, there's so many connections to be made through there. So I'm glad that we were able to connect. Well, and once we just hopped on a call and just, I heard your story, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to share this with my audience. It's so powerful. And so I appreciate you taking time to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. And so for those of you who don't know, Yenny James is the founder and CEO of Paradigm Doulas, LLC. She's on a mission to improve birth outcomes and access to high quality maternal paternal health care for marginalized families. She has dedicated more than 10 years to her career, serving her community through various roles from hospital corpsman to medical assistant, certified birth and postpartum doula and community health worker. Her passion is to help those underserved communities stems from her, from the obstacles that she has overcome as an immigrant, Navy veteran, wife, and mother of two. 
Her life journey has driven her to become a passionate maternal and child health advocate, pushing her to dismantle institutional racism. Through teaching and doula work, Yenny will continue to be a voice for families in her community and throughout the country. And you can find out more on her website at paradigmdoulas.com. Well, Yenny, I am just, I cannot wait to dive into your story. But first, I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? I think investing in people looks different for everyone. I believe that Everyone, even while we are in the womb, have invested in us in any uh, capacity, whether it's investing in them for financial stability, like in their future or helping them to achieve their goals. There are small ways that you can invest and there are large ways that you can invest. And we're investing in others, whether we realize they are not, Mm -hmm. whether in a positive way or in a negative way, but it's something that we do daily. Mm, I completely agree with you. And one of the things that I love about your story is that you really um, hit some sort of obstacle. And I'll let you share that here in a minute. And you really invested in yourself. And so now it just naturally overflows onto your life, your business, your community. And so I want to just kind of take us back for a little bit. We talked about in your intro that you're a doula. And so for those who are not familiar with that word and what that is, would you please share with our audience what a doula is? Yeah, so I am a birth and postpartum doula. And what that means is that I provide continuous emotional and physical support to families throughout pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum. So I love to educate families so that they can make informed decisions and also to have a safe birth. So when they are in labor, I'm there to help them with comfort measures and just to support them throughout the labor. And then postpartum, I can help them with newborn care. I can help them with light housekeeping. I can just provide and emotional support for them just to be present during that postpartum phase. And for those who used to hear another word, is this similar to midwife? No. So a midwife, we are non-medical professionals. Midwives actually, uh, their midwifery is different, but we do work with midwives and we also work um, alongside OBs as well, but we're non-medical staff. Gotcha. Okay. So you're really more about the emotional support side of of the, from birth to right after birth. Right. Correct. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so <clears throat> share with us, what was it like for you to have two children of your own? And did that, I did, did this idea of being a doula come out of having one of your own and saw the benefit from it? Absolutely. I would say when I had my son, I was in the military and I never had the support or the education provided for me. And I had an emergency cesarean. I had a traumatic birth with him. And when I started learning more and growing, I realized that if I were, if someone had given me the education that I needed, I could have, my birth outcome would have been different. And with my daughter, I had gotten furloughed in Seattle while I was there. I was 20 weeks pregnant. And I moved to Texas and it was the first time I got on Medicaid. And for over 10 years, I had helped people in the community with Medicaid. I had went to underrepresented and underserved communities and I had advocated for them for so long. And then now 
I'm in a space where I have Medicaid, but I have limited resources. And I had this beautiful birth story that I wanted. I had a beautiful birth plan. I wanted my doula. I wanted a midwife. But because I was on Medicaid in a place that had limited resources, I couldn't find someone that they call VBAC friendly, which is just to say that I'm going to have a vaginal birth after cesarean. And I had a provider who I literally like, I kept fighting with because I had this plan and she unfortunately just couldn't meet that. And when I tried going to, to another facility, there was a two month waiting period, which in itself says a lot about our maternal system um, because who has two months to wait uh, to see another provider. So anyway, we decided to do a repeat cesarean. And what was traumatic for me is that this provider decided to do a second incision Mm. without discussing it with me and for aesthetic purposes. So for me, I am a survivor of child abuse, of sexual child abuse. So whenever you work with someone who has had a traumatic experience in the past, especially sexual trauma, mm-hmm. it's a lot that goes into how we see our bodies, how we feel. And this is for anyone. I mean, it's your body and you have a decision to make like mm-hmm. this right. is your body. So for her to make a decision um, based on aesthetic purposes, not medical mm-hmm it really triggered me. And what that just led me to do was to create a program here in Fort Worth where I can create a community doula program so that there are community doulas in the area where I could have afforded. So being on Medicaid, having being furloughed, not living in a home yet because I just moved from Washington state and had to live with family. If I could have afforded a community doula, my outcome would have been different. Mm. So that just led me to create the program and paradigm doulas one to create more community doulas in our area, but two to, to bring um, more awareness to what's happening. And especially in Texas, we lack a lot of resources when it comes to maternal child health. And that's really what brought me there. So yes, definitely my experiences, especially military having no support, even through pregnancy, birth and postpartum was very difficult especially going through postpartum depression. And then 10 years later, almost 10 years later with my daughter, having a different experience being mm-hmm. on med for the first time and then not having the birth the way I wanted. And it's hard for me as a doula too, because I've, I've done this for so many families. Like I've made sure that their plan was heard, that they were heard, but I wasn't heard by my own. Yeah, it was really difficult for me to process that. Well, you touched on so many nuggets right there that I really want to uh, kind of go back to. So first of all, I love that you mentioned the fact that when someone is doing something to your body that you haven't given consent for is abuse, Num- number one, whether it's uh, sexual or any non-sexual way, you didn't give consent. It's not okay. Right. And I think we forget that as a society that oh, it was, it wasn't sexual. Well, it doesn't have to be sexual. I didn't give you permission. Right. So it's really about consent. And two, <clears throat> I'm, I know that when we talked beforehand, talking about the trauma, the mindset of someone who might be on Medicaid is that they were worried about also dying during the birth process, not just their baby, 
but themselves because of under resourced, we'll put it that way. Right. And uh, that just, as someone who's not a mom, that concept never crossed my mind that women in today's world would even still be concerned about not making it through childbirth. And so thank you for being so brave and sharing your story and then have it lead to what you do today. Thank you. A lot of people are unaware of the maternal crisis that women are facing in our country. And specifically, it's more Black women that are facing this because they're dying at two to three times the rate and Indigenous women too. And unfortunately, every year it keeps going up. So it went Mm. from... 154 in 2019 to over 800 in in 2020. And it's just something that it's a collective effort to try to improve these birth outcomes. And like you were saying, the fear of dying during childbirth is so real. And I experienced it for the first time myself, because when I was pregnant, my last pregnancy, I was having some heart issues and I couldn't find a cardiologist to accept my Mm -hmm. medication. And I remember telling my husband, like, this is the first time that I fear, especially during surgery, that I may not make it. And I remember mm. instilled fear in him. And it just made me relate to the community that I serve. I've always related to them through my experiences being an immigrant, growing up in New York City, growing up in more impoverished places. But I never was able to feel that fear of dying during childbirth. So it's very real. And it's unfortunate that this is still happening. And to know that our country being a first world country is, is going through this. Can you repeat the statistic that you said from 2000 before 2020 and then 2020? Yeah. So every year it's been going up in 2019, 754 women, died during childbirth. And last year they released the statistics that it's over 800 that during childbirth. Wow. And this is something that you, you said, we don't think about in the, in a first world country. It's something we think about in a third world country. So as someone who is not in that world, not in a doula world, not in a, a, not as a a parent even, or haven't even experienced anything like that, Was there something that they can do to advocate for this awareness and education, like you said? It's always to help bring awareness to what's happening, whether it's reaching out to local communities, reaching out to nonprofits in the community. If there are nonprofits that service women that are either in low-income communities or women affected by high maternal mortalities, to come collectively as a community to to see ways that you can change this. And it's, it's kind of scary when I talk about maternal mortality, because again, it's right now the most affected are black women and indigenous women. Mm. And we look at the statistics for black women. A lot of people were thinking, Oh, it's because of social economic status. And unfortunately that's not the case. There are plenty of studies that have found that it doesn't matter their education. It doesn't matter how much money they make. Black women are dying at rates that other women aren't and birthing mm. folks. And that's like where I'm trying to find how else besides community do the work. Because again, it's not just low income communities. I right. mean, even Beyonce couldn't face like that preeclampsia. She experienced it herself. Mm-hmm. And there are things that like in Texas, a study came out 
last year that 89% of maternal mortality rates were preventable. 89 is a huge statistic, 89%. So that shows us that there are some underlying issues here. There are a lot of fundamental issues that we have to change. And the more we bring awareness to this, the more that we see that there are injustices happening, there's biases. So I just think that bringing that and going into your community uh, will definitely help us with bringing awareness. Well, you mentioned preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure, right? During pregnancy. Yep. So that's one of um, the clinical things that you'll find. So if someone presents to the clinic with preeclampsia, it's usually high blood pressure and um, protein in their urine. But subjectively, what women or birthing folks will face is having headaches, having changes in vision, having swelling in upper and lower extremities. And sometimes like headaches, people think, oh, it's okay. I'm going to be fine. And they don't even go to their provider mm-hmm. or if they provider, their provider is like, you're strong enough. It's going to, it's going to be okay. So these are things that if they knew, Hey, these could be symptoms of preeclampsia. I think that it would be, the statistics will look so different right. um, if, if there wasn't an assumption that you're strong enough to just be okay with a, with a headache, like that's, that's okay. Well, and two, I think women oftentimes and, and men too, oftentimes will think, oh, the, she has a headache because of the hormonal changes, right? Because right? oh, it's just, it's no big deal. It's just hormonal changes. And really it's your body telling you something's going wrong here. So we kind of, even doctors do it. They kind of push it aside. Like it's not a big deal. Is gestational diabetes also in that high risk as well? It is, but that's more of morbidity. So you can control it, but if someone doesn't have the resources to find that they have gestational diabetes, then they won't know like that their mm-hmm. excessive thirst and frequent urination is a sign of that. And then two, if they don't have um, the resources available to keep things under control, like their blood sugars, that can lead to stillbirth. That can also lead to wow. premature birth. So the main causes are cardiac issues and preeclampsia, but gestational diabetes is considered a morbidity, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit different. It's not the main cause of mortality, which is the death, but as definitely factors into why women are going into labor early and also uh, reasons for stillbirth. Well, unfortunately, a very good friend of mine just recently that's what happened to them. There was no issue throughout the whole pregnancy. They're, they're both Caucasian. There was no ethnic background that would have like a possibility of something going on. And there was no preeclampsia, no anything. And they went past the due date. And so then at the 40 week checkup, there was no heartbeat. That's horrible. And so they had to give birth. Right. She, she had to give birth to a stillborn baby, which was as a bystander, a friend was absolutely gut wrenching for me. I cannot imagine uh, the parent, uh, the 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 trauma of the loss yeah. of that going through that. And so, and with all the technology that we think about in 2022, this still happens, and there's sometimes no rhyme or reason for it of right. why things happen. But it's something that isn't really talked about. So I'm so glad. To that we can highlight this today to, well, to have you on. Hear that. That's it's never easy to lose yeah. anyone, especially when you've 
you've carried this child for mm-hmm. nine months and then yeah. the outcome is just really heartbreaking. I'm really sorry to hear that. Thank you. And what's, I think because I'm friends with, with the dad is how often a miscarriage will happen or a stillbirth will happen. And we focus on the mom and the yes. dads kind of get left behind. Yes. Yes. No, I completely agree. And that's honestly why I'm working towards creating a, a group specifically for fathers, mm-hmm. because when I think about uh, maternal mortality, uh, their spouse is left behind. Their spouse right. is left to, to raise a baby. Otherwise, like they expected, they sometimes they don't know how to nurture the way that that we can mm-hmm. because it's innate mm-hmm. in us, right? And I noticed that there are not a lot of uh, resources for fathers or partners to to really let go of those feelings that they feel and to know that they're validated because sometimes they feel like they have to act like they're strong. They put walls up, but inside, like it's very difficult for them to one, you're experiencing a huge loss with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And two, what resources do you actually have to raise your newborn child alone? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with you that not just like this mortality, but are there groups for fathers too? Like when I teach, when I educate, when I have a client, and they are in a relationship, I'm teaching both of them mm-hmm. because both of them need to feel empowered and need to be educated so that they can both make informed decisions because they're both parents. So I definitely agree with what you're saying. Well, too, I think as what kind of what you said as society, they look at the men and they're like, oh, suck it up. Or, right. but, but it's so isolating. I cannot imagine that to be a father in that position. And like you said, now their, their spouse is gone and they have this child to raise. And maybe this also happened to another friend of mine. It wasn't during childbirth, but after giving birth to their third child, it was, I think like six or seven weeks, maybe even shorter than that. She passed away of cancer and he now has an infant and two toddlers to take care of as a single dad. And the support that he thought was going to be there. His dad then passed away right after that as well. So he lost support in in so many areas, right? And so we just, I think sometimes men as the parent gets overlooked. So I love that you're really creating an outreach for them as well. Thank you. I think it's important and something that we don't have enough of. Yeah. So take us back to kind of change shift gears here a little bit. Let's take us back to when you were in high school and you were deciding on what to do next. I know that you were in the Navy. So was there a reason or someone that inspired you that said, I should go into the Navy and and save the world? (laughs) It was a classmate of mine, actually. So I had went to the University of, of Connecticut. I went to UConn. And I had something happen in the family. I had to take care of my grandfather who was sick. So I went to a community college to be close to home. And I had a friend in the class and he um, he was a recruiter. And he's like, Yanni, like, have you ever thought about joining the military for to be a, a medic, like a hospital corpsman? And for me, I felt a little naive because when I thought of the military, I thought it was only infantry. It was only combat. And I'm like, they have medical? I didn't know this. So he's like, yeah, look into it. And I decided to do it so that I mm. can work with wounded warriors. I could work with Marines. And that's what I did. So 
I joined and I never looked back. And it's funny because in high school, I went to a school where you either focus on business or health. So I knew that I wanted to go the health aspect, the health mm-hmm. route. We wanted to be a doctor. But when that stuff happened at, at, with my family and I had to go to a community college, then I started kind of shifting my goal. But I always had a passion to serve in my community regarding like health aspects. So mm. to go to nursing homes. I used to do so much. I worked in hospice. Wow. So it's kind of weird because I started in a different end of the spectrum. I started with a hospice, which right. I had to help patients transition to the new world. And now here I am as a doula, I'm welcoming babies. Mm. So it's, it's been, um, it's, it's been a blessing for me to, to be in both, but yes, that's how it started. Uh, So I had that friend and, and I never looked back after that. Well, you bring tears to my eyes because what a beautiful story. Cause it's like, you're at the both uh, sides of the, of life. Right. right. But it's so full circle too. you like, Oh, I, I bring right. it in and I let it go as well. I help it transition. So, and, and you're kind of helping transition from inside mama to outside. So how beautiful. So how long were you in the Navy? I was only in for two years and it was cut short because of my pregnancy. Mm, okay. <laughs> It's so, it's, it's just so weird because I'm advocating for things that I went through myself because mm-hmm. that, It was in um, 2012. We didn't have many resources. Now that I work with or I know people in who are active duty service members or who are military spouses, they're like, no, we have lactation support now. There's so much that they didn't have back then. And because of some things that I went through through pregnancy, that's why I Mm -hmm. had to leave the military early, which is upsetting because I saw myself uh, retiring from the military, but life takes us in, in many different ways. And I, every part of my story, I just feel like led me to where I am right now, whether good or bad. So all I can do now is just advocate for things that I didn't have and hope that someone else has that, has that hope that I didn't. Well, absolutely. And what a, a testament to your story 10 years ago, right? That was 10 years ago. And now, I mean, just imagine what you can do for the next 10 years, right? Now that you're really taking a a key role in this. So that's really exciting, the potential of the opportunities of what you have going forward. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I know. When you say it like that, you're like, God, is that really 10 years? That doesn't seem possible. 12, 10 years. Yes. 10 years. Yeah. So tell us when you decided to start your own business, how did that come about? And I know that you became a doula at some point. Did you do that inside the Navy, out of the Navy or the experience of your your own births? So I was already doing doula work in the military. I focused on working with um, pregnant women and also I worked in a pediatrics clinic. So I was always drawn to pregnancy and children, but like in our country or actually all over, we don't have to be certified as a doula to practice as a doula. So for years I was doing doula work, but I never had the certification. So in uh, 2019, 
I was given the opportunity through a hospital that I worked with or a midwifery clinic to get certified. I'm like, okay, so I've been doing this for so long. Why not? And after my certification, I just realized that there weren't a lot of programs that one combined birth and postpartum doula training, because I believe in continuity of care. Mm-hmm. I believe that it's it's beautiful for a family to have you as a birth doula and help them with the transition to postpartum. So I noticed that I noticed that there weren't a lot of programs to focus on trauma informed care that weren't teaching about cultural appropriation, didn't show cultural humility or cultural competence. So I decided after what I experienced here in Texas is Let me create a program that combines birth and postpartum doula training because I think it's important for all families to have the continuity of care. Let me teach about trauma-informed care. Let me teach them how to be culturally competent, show cultural humility, and also to focus, too, on working in communities affected by high maternal and infant mortality rate. And I feel like maybe if I didn't experience what I did with my daughter's birth having lack of resources, having a provider that didn't listen to me, being fearful of dying during childbirth, which was the first time I ever experienced that. I don't think that I would have been pushed to start this program. I think that I would I would have just continued to provide services in the community. But I felt that in Texas specifically, even though my program is is national, I felt that they had to know that what was going on here we have to create change because 89% of maternal deaths to have that be preventable, there has to be a change. And also too, I was hoping that by creating a program like mine, that we would be able to start Medicaid reimbursement, which some other states have already. So Mm. for me to, to try to create a change that is so needed in our communities, which is why kind of called it paradigm doulas because if you think about this paradigm shift that is needed, especially in maternal care, and when you think about the word paradigm being a clear example, like the doulas that I train and certify, I want them to be a clear example of how doula care should be and that it should be accessible to everyone. Mm, I love that. I love your story because you went from being um, a a college student to being in the Navy to a medical professional in the Navy and now a business owner. I I never thought of myself as being here where I am. Like I always knew, like there was always a passion in me to be a servant, to serve my communities. I used to do that. Like my family and I would go feed the homeless. Like we would go volunteer places. Like I would help refugees, help foster teens, help victims of human trafficking. Like there's so much that I've done, but I never envisioned myself to be where I am today. Mm. But earlier I said that all these pieces of my life, whether good or bad, really led me here. And I'm so grateful for it because now I can create or I created an opportunity for voices to be heard, especially. And I think that's so important. Yes, it's exactly what I was thinking earlier is you've given a voice to the voiceless. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. So when someone is thinking about becoming a doula and maybe they're Googling and they're coming across your website, You may not get this question often, but for some reason, it just kind of popped into my head to ask, is it only, do you only accept women as doulas or are there men doulas? Please. No, it's a men doula. Anyone, 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 because it's not, if you think about like OBs and and midwives, like 
just women. No, becoming a doula, you can empower your community, whether you're a woman, a man, non-binary, LGBTQ community. There's so much that you can do, whatever you identify as. There are fathers that I know who are doulas, and now they're helping men in their community Mm. help empower their wives, like help to create a change for them. So this is open to anyone. I love that. I love that because I think a lot of times when, again, society kind of teaches us that when women are talking about women issues that happen to our bodies, men kind of check out. (laughs) And so I love that you have this opportunity for men to really get involved as, especially in their, not just in their family, but in their community as well. I think it's exciting. When I see someone say like, I'm a dad and I'm a doula, I get so happy. (laughs) (laughs) So important. It's important to have that, to be. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So just putting it out there, because when you said that, I was like, oh, I could see this happening. I don't know if you've got it planned, but I could just totally see you having conferences and workshops and having people from all over the the country who are doulas just come together and share resources. So that's my goal. (laughs) That is a place where we can all come and just have a safe space for everyone. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So take us to what's next for you. We talked about, we just kind of touched base a little bit that that's what something you would want, but where do you see this going and what would your, what do you want your role to be in the, in the future? My goal is to continue to provide services as a doula, but within my organization, I plan on creating a program where it's kind of like an agency, but an opportunity for the doulas that I certify to get hired. Mm. That way that they have, they know, because the problem with, with doula work is that, especially community doulas, we, we are wanted, but we're not being compensated enough for it. And especially as a community doula, because we do a lot more, I just want to provide that opportunity. So the funds that I get a percentage of each registration goes into a fund either for scholarships because I provide monthly scholarships or a fund where I can give back to nonprofits and a fund where I can pay doulas. So my goal is to create an agency where community doulas will have a place where they can help the community, but get compensated the way that they they're supposed to. And also my main goal is to truly make an impact because Mm -hmm. even though I started this, I want to see those numbers improve. I want to partner with organizations like Mark for Mothers or March of Dimes, things that we have talked about. Like I've met with March of Dimes because there are so many initiatives that need to happen, especially in Texas, in our country as a whole, but especially Texas. So that's where I see myself really wanting to see those numbers change, wanting to be part whether it's within advocacy, start proposing bills, just something to change the narrative for people where that are in my community. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that. And you mentioned the word advocacy. And I think with my own health issues that I've had for uh, over my lifetime, but also helping my parents go through their own, as they age, go through their own stuff. I became an advocate for myself as well as an advocate for them. So how important do you believe that ad being your own advocate and educating yourself and researching is how important do you think that is for, for everyone? I feel like if you don't 
advocate for yourself, it'd be difficult to advocate for others because you have to use your voice too. You have to use things that you have experienced. You have to educate yourself if you don't know statistics, if you don't know what's really going on because you're not the only one going through it. So if you don't have these concrete things, it'd be difficult to advocate for yourself and advocate for others. And once you advocate for yourself, it's like you're unleashing this power inside Mm -hmm. of you because your voice is important. And there's so many people that feel like my voice isn't being heard or no one wants to hear what I'm saying, but your voice is what can change the entire narrative of a story. So advocacy, self-advocacy I mean, without it, I don't know how you can create effective change because you can create change, but it doesn't mean it'll be effective and long lasting. Mm, I love that. Self-advocacy creates effective change. Right. Yeah, I love that. I may have to quote you later on that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <clears throat> well, I just have a few more questions before we wrap up here, but I've just, this conversation is so, so refreshing because we just, like I said, like I've said all along, especially in the military, we look at this role of a doula in such a female position and not giving opportunity to have other people. So I love that you're bringing the light that, that anyone who is interested in this can, can do this kind of work. And, and what a gift you're giving, not to, and maybe it's your spouse, but to your community. So I love that we're bringing light to this. You're welcome. So you're just, you are impacting the world in all the things that you're doing. So what do you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? I want to be remembered as a person who loved mm-hmm. because I feel like without love, you can't really change. You can't really create change. And I just want to be remembered as someone who loved others selflessly. Mm. Well, you are definitely an example of that now and (laughs) just listening to your story, but also just watching for those of you who are listening to this, you don't get to see the visual, but the watching of you completely shift and get so energetic and excited about, because you can tell you're so passionate about what you do. I am. I literally could not sleep last year. I had a newborn daughter and I would stay up until like five in the morning trying to figure out, excuse me, how I can create change because it's not about me. It's about everyone else who is going through such a, a tough time. I can't imagine losing a child. I can't imagine losing a spouse. I can't imagine people who are homeless. When I was in Seattle, I had clients who we're refugees and homeless. And all I could do is provide those resources to them and try to be their advocate and be there during birth. But it's not at the end of the day, like I'm very passionate because there has to be change in our, our world. Like there's so much that people go through and I don't know. I just feel like sometimes I like to put myself in their shoes Mm. because it changes my perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you're definitely being an example. So I I love that. So how can people connect you with, we mentioned your website, paradigmdoulas.com, but what what else, what else do you have out there as you're on Instagram or or LinkedIn, how we got connected? How can people connect with you? So I have a personal LinkedIn account. You can find me um, through Yenny James. Also, my business, Paradigm Doulas is on LinkedIn. It's on Facebook and it's on Instagram. So you can connect with me through there. Awesome. 
Awesome. And you're just, thank you so much for your time, your energy. This has just been such a joy to get to know you over the past couple of weeks. Yes. Thank you for having me and for bringing light to something that's so important to my heart and also to people who are truly suffering here in our country. Mm. So thank you. Well, talk about investing in people. I mean, you literally are all the time. So I love this conversation. And um, before I let you go, I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Wow. (laughs) I never thought about this. This is a hard question, Shay, because... I guess like I don't live by one thing. I always live by doing good mm-hmm. because again, like I was saying earlier, it's not about me. And if I know that I can be a help to others and have that servant heart that mm-hmm. even something as small as, as smiling at someone and telling they could change their whole day because we don't know what people go through. So I guess it's not really like a mantra or a, a a scripture or a verse that I could think of, but it's knowing that the little things in life as my new as saying hello with a smile can change someone's day Mm. and, and that can impact families and people. So that's what I live by is just doing good, (laughs) doing good. I love that. And that's, there's, that's perfect. Doing good. Yeah. What is it? Just do good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Love, just having love in your heart and doing good in the community. I mean, doing good in life. Just perfect. Be that light to others. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Shay. And thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People. If you enjoyed this episode, because I know you did, Yenny is just this beautiful light of a human being. So I'm sure you're Googling that right now and handing it off to all your friends to become a doula. And so please go share this with a friend and go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. And until next time, let's get fired up. You know, most people go through life aiming at nothing and hit it with amazing accuracy. And they find themselves just feeling stuck in a rut, wondering if this is all there is. And I'm here to tell you, no, it is not. And life is too dang short to live it stuck in a rut. So check out beyondtherut.com and listen to episodes of other people who are also feeling stuck in a rut, asking themselves the same questions you are around their faith, their family, their fitness, their finances, and just their outlook on future possibility. And there, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired to make your own path and live life beyond the rut. So again, go check out beyondtherut.com where you can find blog posts and podcast episodes as well as some tools to help you design the targets you wish to hit in life in those five F's, faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. Because again, life is too dang short to live it stuck in a rut. Now go check it out. Beyond the rut. (laughs) (laughs) That is done. It's yours.